You're listening to National Health Executive's Finger on the Pulse podcast with me, your host, Saskia Hicking, here to guide you beyond the headlines with news, views and insider truths from across the healthcare sector. Hello and welcome back to another episode of NHE's Finger on the Pulse podcast. Today I am joined by Anne Cooper, who is the former chief nurse at NHS Digital. Thank you so much for joining me today, Anne. It's nice to be here. And today we are going to be discussing some of the benefits and drawbacks of digitising the NHS and also the best ways to implement some of these new innovations into the workforce and, of course, how they can improve patient outcome. But to start off with, Anne, please will you just tell us a little bit about you and, and your background in the NHS? I was formerly the chief nurse at NHS Digital. I retired about four years ago. I loved my previous job. I spent a decade or more, really, maybe nearer two decades, trying to persuade technologists that clinicians mattered to make decisions about the way we use technology. And I spent a lot of time persuading nurses and doctors that technology was something that we could use for the benefit of patients. So I felt like I was somebody who was permanently going backwards and forwards between the technologists and the clinicians and trying to persuade them of the other people's point of view. It's a really, really interesting, diverse job and an important one because I was really at the cusp of a new era for health and care around how we use digital technology. I was there in the very foothills, I think. I spent a lot of time talking about clinical leadership in technology, trying to make sure that we had clinicians, doctors, nurses, podiatrists, other allied health professionals who actually understood enough about the technology agenda to be purposeful and leaders in that sort of space. Firstly, and a rather vast question, which I'm sure um, has a whole host of answers, but how can technology benefit staff and patients? That's a huge question, a huge question. And of course, it all depends on the context. So digital is a, is a, is a tool to do lots and lots of different things. So the answer depends on, on where it is that you're deploying the technology. Um, traditionally, we talk about making information more available for clinicians so that they can deliver better care, for example. So knowing that um, a patient saw another clinician somewhere else fairly recently is really helpful when you're caring for somebody. So sharing information is really important. Um, but I am also somebody who's got um, type 1 diabetes. And so my perspective as a patient um, technology has a massive role in helping me to self-manage, to manage my own condition um, so that I'm less reliant on healthcare services. And I think we can also see technology shifting the way the places that care is delivered. So we're talking increasingly about hospitals at home where actually technology can support people to be cared for differently in their own home, which I think most people would prefer to see. And and like you say, Anne, we have adopted this home care, and I guess, which now comes under the label of of telehealth. Um, But but how is the NHS benefiting from this new digital way of working? The NHS is no different to any other sector in that respect, in that, you know, we need to move information around. We need to make sure that we've got the right information at the right place at the right, you know, and all of that sort of thing. So it's about modernisation as much as it's about anything else. Um, And we've got a massive, massive agenda facing us around catching up with all of the um, backlog of work that's been, that we've inherited um, and through COVID. Um, We need to be more efficient. We need to focus on outcomes. We need to use data 
differently and we need to improve people's experience of the healthcare system. One of the things that I am quite keen on is that um, when we talk about technology and the way it's used in, in, in health, we focus on improving services as opposed to um, just doing new things. And improving services for me absolutely focuses on these three things. So we should be improving the care for patients and their experience of the system. We should be making it easier for staff to care for people. That's one thing, so it's experience related. We should be improving and focusing on um, better outcomes, health outcomes for people, and we should be improving efficiency. And we need to do all of those things in a sustainable way. So um, it's a little bit like the triple aim that we see um, in service improvement. That's how we should be viewing um, digital technology in the NHS. And you say that's how we should be viewing digital um, within the NHS, but are we? Are we using technology to our advantage and, and utilising it? the best case for everyone. This has been a journey that we've been on for a few decades in actual fact and um, we still have a long way to go but yes I do think that focusing on how digital technology can support us improving care and services is the way forward rather than just doing technology. I think in the past we didn't tend to talk about technology quite in the same way um, but whereas I think if we talk about changing people's experiences and improving things we will be more in line with how the nhs itself behaves i think that for quite a long time it felt like um informatics the informatics agenda was an annex to the way that they it was an annex to the nhs in its entirety so technologists were bolted on the side Technologists need to get right into the heart of the NHS and to be an integral part of the way that things are done. And that's through service improvement, I think, and quality improvement. And I guess in terms of technology, there's almost two sides to it, isn't there? The, the, the patient user and the staff user. Um, let, let's start with patients as the users. What would you like to see for the overall outcome for them? using technology as an enabler? I think that patients deserve a more seamless care system and I think technology can help us to do that. So instead of having a bit of your record that's held in a hospital, a bit of your record that's held with a GP, a bit of a record that's held with a community nurse, and it should be one record for each person that's seamless across that whole system. That will smooth out some of the lumps and bumps that people experience. A lot of the time patients if I may call them that, sometimes they're not exactly patients, but people who use services experience of the system is about the admin the bumps in the system or the administrative bumps in the system, not actually the interactions that they have with the clinicians. And if we only smooth out some of those lumps and bumps in the system, it would be a benefit, I think, to everybody. So that means things like prescriptions, booking appointments, and these are things that we're already We've been talking about these things for quite a long time. My personal experience is quite interesting because in type 1 diabetes, the ability for us to have access to a wider range of technologies has accelerated in the last perhaps five years, maybe. And it's only very, very recently that the services that I get access to have started using a single portal for us to get access to information. And I'm pleased to say that at my last appointment, for example, I didn't actually get a letter. I got a notification um, of an appointment. It looked like a letter on the system, but it didn't come through the postman. It came through straight to my device and I duly turned up for my appointment. 
and everything was fine. So that's, I think it can help massively with all of that. Um, my diabetes control is much better as a consequence of some of those things as well. However, we do have to remember something. I think it's very easy to forget that sometimes there are people for lots and lots of reasons who do not have access to those technologies, who don't have a smartphone, who don't have access. So we need to be careful that digital doesn't just increase the divide. Um, and that means involving everybody in how we plan, implement, develop, um, and do all of those things to bring technology to the front of what we do, that we don't leave people behind. And I just wanted to tap in there at what you mentioned about the sustainability aspect there, because as we know, net zero is a huge ambition for the NHS. Do you think digital is the way forward for us achieving that? I think net zero is part of the, the drivers that are driving us towards a different way of delivering services. It's interesting because I think the pandemic accelerated things, but it didn't actually bring anything massively new to the table. Most of the technologies that were deployed in the last two years or so were already in existence and were already known about. So I think the pandemic accelerated things and I don't think that there's any going back. So we won't be going back to the way things were before. We won't be going back to the old systems and processes. I think we're on a process of change now. But I think one of the critical things about this is how we need to involve everybody in that journey. You can't do things to people and get good outcomes. You have to do things with people. And that means bringing everybody to the table. So I spent decades talking about how important it was. Clinicians were involved in the digital developments that we were seeing at the time. I still believe that to be completely true. But we also now need to make sure that we involve patients and we need to involve a range of patients in those developments so that we make sure we don't create divides, that we don't create inequalities. We also need to make sure that the people sat around the table are diverse and represent society rather than it just being some people who are perhaps more powerful than others. So we need to make sure we ask and invite the right people to help us to decide what to do and how to do it. Seen as we've touched there, Anne, on the, on the divides that can happen from a patient's perspective, but what do you think staff think of the digital drive? Do you think it's creating any apprehension or hesitancy amongst healthcare workers? I think well? some people might be apprehensive about the potential implications of digital and technology. And I think, you know, we have to have some fairly open conversations with people about what that means for the way people practice, um, the way we deliver services. Um, and sometimes people might not look forward to the changes that it might mean. Um, I think that it's easy to make assumptions about who might be challenged by the implications of technology and who might not. And the only way to find out really is to work with people. You know, I've made assumptions about people's age and that the fact they might be resistant to technology and then found through my experience that that wasn't the truth. Um, sometimes it's the people that you least expect to support change who support it. But the most important thing is that you do it with people rather than to people. So you say do things with people and not to them, but how, how important is staff engagement then when rolling out new digital projects? And, and how important is giving staff the correct training to use those programmes? I think the trick is to involve them right from the very beginning. So they need to be involved in the identification of the problem that we're trying to solve. They need to be involved in 
um, the design of the solutions, the design of the technology, and then how we go through to, to implement it. Um, you can't just, I think the days are gone when you can just bring along a massive system and just sort of throw it at everybody. I think we're much more aware of how leadership's important, how clinical leadership and patient leadership are important in these types of um, areas, really. So I would, but it is difficult. It is difficult if you're implementing a big new electronic record in a, in a big hospital, for example, involving everybody is quite difficult. So you are going to have to work really hard at making sure that you involve as many people as possible and that they represent the people who are working in your organisation through from, you know, you might need to involve consultants right through to kitchen staff who might be responsible for doing the meal orders or, or, you know, that sort of thing. You need to make sure that you're involving as many people as possible. And you mentioned training. We need systems that are so intuitive um, that nearly anybody can use them. We, you know, we can't take staff out for days at a time to train them in using systems any longer. So what we would call usability needs to be really high. If you go out and buy a new smartphone these days, nobody shows you how to use it very much, really. And you have to be quite resourceful in, in working out what to do and how to use it to, to your best advantage. I think we need to be moving more to that type of level of function in systems so that we don't have to have massive training programs any longer. So would it would it be right to say that you think the rollout of systems like EPR, electronic patient records, for example, need to be a very hands-on experience? So something similar to, I guess, a pilot scheme where it's rolled out across a couple of wards and, and almost kind of a, an on-the-job learning experience? It is really difficult um, to roll big systems out like this and to train everybody and make sure everybody's got the knowledge that they need. Um, Quite often there are last minute changes in the system that you haven't trained people on. So I think having a highly usable system is a critical factor in, in what you need to do. But yes, I think keeping it as local as possible, involving the staff as far as possible, identifying your champions um, in the area that you're working so that the staff actually support and help each other. All of these are fairly tried and tested techniques actually. Um, in doing that type of work. The other thing is, I think, we traditionally try to map out exactly how staff will do something in a system. And actually what, what happens is when staff get products, they find new and innovative ways to do things as well. So we need to be not overly prescriptive. We do standard ways of doing things to make sure things don't get missed and so on. But actually we should also allow staff to be creative and to work with the technology to work out the best outcomes for them and for the patients, really. Perhaps that, that may be introduced a little more as we move to ICSs, but just skipping back to some of the, the digital disadvantages, do you think we just kind of expect everybody to be confident with using technology uh, and that they'll be able to get the correct care online? One of the big risks is that we assume that everything can be done digitally and it may well be that for quite a long time we have also got other systems running in parallel that deal with some of those people who find it difficult to access technology. So I think, you know, it, we run a long journey. It's, it's a long future that we're looking at, not a short future. So it will take a long time before some of those things completely become embedded, I think. Um, but there are things that you can do. I think we shouldn't make assumptions about people. So we should work with them to work out, 
you know, what it is that they can do. We need to do that with staff as well. We need to make sure that we don't make assumptions about what the staff can and can't do with technology because it's easy to make assumptions. If you, you know, you can say, well, people do their online shopping, therefore they must be capable of using technology. I think that's a false um, thing to assume, actually. So we need to we need to bear all of those things in mind. I think ICSs will know where their populations are who may need some help to use technology more positively. So I think ICSs should have this on their list of things that they need to think about. So I'm heartened by ICSs. I think whole systems is the way to go. And that means that they will have partnerships with local authorities, with the third sector, etc., which is where some of this work needs to happen. So where, where's the balance here around how, how much or how little rather as well is put online and done remotely and how much is kept face to face? Where is the line here? So I think it's about doing the right thing for the right person and freeing up time for some of those other consultations that do need to be face to face. So I think we, we tend to polarise this. We tend to say, well, we're moving to all online consultations. Well, that's clearly never going to be possible in health. Um, so I think it has to be the right the right mode of, of care delivery um, for the right person, for the right conditions and so on. So, so I don't see it that way. I don't see it as a removal of face-to-face for those who need it. I see it as creating potentially more time for those people who need that type of care. Absolutely. I think it's not a one-size-fits-all situation, is it? It's, no. like you say, about finding the right type of care for each individual whatever that may be. And obviously for some face-to-face may be more comfortable because you can physically see the doctor or the nurse, etc. But for others, I guess digital care is somewhat preferred, isn't it? I think if I'm right, um, my memory is slightly hazy on this, but I think if I'm right, there are some examples, this is going back quite a few years now, where non-face-to-face care is actually better for people. Um, And sexual health is an example. I think it was at Chelsea and Westminster. There is a clinic with no people in it there where they go in. Technology tells them how to do their swabs. Uh, they do their swabs. They put them in a delivery tube and off it goes. And their attendance at those clinics is really quite high. And it's, award, it's an award-winning service. So I think you're right. This is all about horses for courses, isn't it? This is, a, this is like somebody's coming along and saying, here are some more tools. Here are things that you can do with those tools. What we need to do now is work out how we can use them to the best effect. Um, There are some underlying things. I think things like information about somebody flowing around with that person around the system is a fundamental, but there are some other technologies where it's about you've got to use the right piece of technology for the right thing. I could carry on talking about this with you, Anne, for forever. Um, But I'm going to try and draw it to a close here. And if it's okay with you, perhaps you could share your contact details and for how people can get in touch if they if they do want to continue the conversation. Of course, it's okay for people to contact me. I am quite accessible, um, particularly on on mediums like Twitter. Um, I have a large Twitter following and my um, tweet handle is at Annie Coops. My DMs are usually open, um, but just please um, say hello and get in touch with me. Thanks for listening to this episode of NHE's Finger on the Pulse podcast. Join the conversation on social media or get in touch through the link on our website to stay up to date with all the latest news and episodes. Make sure to subscribe and drop us a rating on whatever streaming platform you are using. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.